Alright, so today's Daf is Chav, well, today's real Daf is Chav Ches. for us it's Chav Zayin, and we uh, pick up uh, five lines down on the wide lines of Chav Zayin Amra'alev. Actually, no, we've already done that, we started that, um, that the Mishnah says that when you sell it, you something, you can use the proceeds, because for a higher purpose, not a lower purpose, so the question is, what about the same purpose? And the Gemara implicitly assumes that the same purpose would not be acceptable, because it only asks about a Sefer Torah, whether you can use money from a Sefer Torah for a Sefer Torah. So the answer is, well, obviously there's nothing else to use it from, for, but the question is, okay, but lichatchila can you do it? And maybe you should not, because it's not higher, but maybe you should be allowed, because there's no alternative, there's nowhere higher to go. Which suggests that in all the other cases, you're only allowed, certainly lichatchila, but the other maybe is a different story, but lichatchila, you're only allowed to sell it if you're going to use the proceeds for a higher purpose, but the question is, by a Sefer Torah, again, where there's no alternative, maybe will allow you to do it if you're going to use it for the same purpose. Now again, this is about what you do with the proceeds. The status of the thing that is sold, by a Sefer Torah there's absolutely no question that the status of what is sold retains its status. Um, and um, it's a Sefer Torah, obviously. So you're selling it to another show, you're going to use the proceeds for your show. Um, similarly, I should say, the presumption should be that Tashmishe Kedusha, like the wraps of the Sefer Torah, you know, and the Bima and so on, presumably they would also retain their status. They were Tashmishe Kedusha. And the halacha is, you know, is that Tashmishe Kedusha are Nignozim, right? If you remember before, it never says that, oh, you're done using them, they wore out, now you can use them for a bath towel. No, something that's Tashmishe Kedusha retains its Kedusha, never loses it, and it's Nignozim. The only thing that the actual status of the object might change is the show. Because again, that raises the whole question of where does the Kedusha of the Shul come from? And it, it does not have that same intrinsic quality as a Sefer Torah and as the things like the Mantle and the Aron, which are directly connected to the Sefer Torah. So again, what you sell retains its Kedusha when you're dealing with the, the Sefer Torah and Tashmishe Kedusha. The Shul, however, remains a question because we're there, we've been discussing. You can sell it maybe with the Tuvehair, maybe we'll see in another mission even without the Tuvehair, that the Show might be able to change its status once it's sold. The Gemara used the model of Kiddushah and to redeem the Kiddushah that's only by the show. But the, that's the one half of the question. The other half is the proceeds, and here we're saying that it has to be used for a high purpose by Sefer Torah, maybe enough, maybe even Lechatzchiba for the same purpose. So we continue with that where it says Tashma. It is about um, 15 lines down on the wide lines, starts with the word Tashma. It's pretty much directly across on the right hand margin in the Mitzvah Shashas which says Brachas Chafhei okay so people see that Tashma okay so Tashma coming here Menichim Sefer Torah Agabi Torah the Torah Agabi Chumashim you can put one Torah on top of another and you can put a Torah on top of Chumashim and Chumashim Agabi Nevi'im and a Chumashim on the Nevi'im Uktuvim of Allah but not Nevi'im Uktuvim Agabi Chumashim below Chumashim Agabi Torah okay so it's one of these classic things once again telling us of the hierarchy but what you see is is that you can put a Torah on a Torah so you see that to keep things at the same level especially when there's you know no alternatives um, is uh, considered acceptable. Of course, a little different repurposing the money and putting on top, but the Gemara says it's all a function of the Kiddusha. Okay? So that should be okay. So the Gemara says, so isn't that a relevant point? So the Gemara says, Hanacha Kamarta, one minute, you're talking about putting something on top of something. Shani Hanacha the Lafshah. There's literally no alternative, right? Because uh, what are you supposed to, you know, where, where else would you put a safe Torah if you had to, like, put it on top of some, uh, uh, you know, on top of something. Dilotei if you don't say that, how can you roll up a Sefer Torah? One cloth rests on top of the other cloth as you're rolling it, right? One piece of parchment is resting on top of the pieces of parchment below it. So the fact that like a, a part of the Torah is serving as a base for another part of the Torah is acceptable because like, you know, there's really no alternative. So, 
So the Gemara says, Ella, even though after Sharif, there's an alternative, it's permissible. So, Hachanam, here for two, even though after Sharif, there's an alternative, it's permissible. Now, the alternative could be that you never stack a Sefer Torah, you always put them side by side. But, again, assuming that you're in some situation where you have to stack things up, so, you know, if uh, all you have is Sefer Torah, I guess, again, if you always have like Humashim, you put a Sefer Torah on top of every single one, it's okay. But anyway, under some circumstances, you have no alternatives, so we will allow that. And that's sort of like, that's sort of like the Gemara's case of Bidiyevid. Once you sold the, sold the Sefer Torah and you have the proceeds, of course you buy a Sefer Torah. What's your choice? But when you have alternatives, maybe you always have to go up and you don't keep things at the same level. Again, it's not an exact comparison. That's what I mean. Let's read a little bit more. Tashma, let's hear. Dama Rabbi Barbarchanam Rabbi Yochanam Yishu Bishon Gamliel Lo Yim Kadam Sefer Torah Yashon Likach Bochadash Don't sell an old Sefer Torah to buy a new one. So there you see Lichatchila you can't, presumably because the money, at least Lichatchila, you know, the, uh, it's only when the monies will be used for a higher purpose. So the Gemara says, no, that's not about the issue of the, uh, of the, use, of, of the use of the monies of having to go up. Hasam there, Mishum Pshiyusa, is the concern of negligence. Like we saw before about destroying one shul to build another one. You'll sell a safer Torah to buy another one, and then the money will just be lying around, and you won't get around to buying the other one. And your shul will be without a safer Torah for a while, or you'll accidentally come to misuse the money. But Ki Kaminen, what are we talking about? We're going to Kasi Lumanach. Refroke, that it's been written, and it's basically waiting, you know, to be... What? You had it written in the Ayatollah guy afterwards? And then you have to want to sell the old one to, to pay for the new one? Well, somebody didn't necessarily do it on commission. Somebody has a Sefer Torah, and you basically want to purchase it. So it's not like you're going to have to wait around, right? You've got to say, well, right there, a guy's waiting to sell it. You just need the money. Like the, you know, so that type of a case is not a concern of Shia. So in that type of a case, uh, my, what's the halacha? So Tashma, the Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Mishum Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Meir, Ein Mochim Sefer Torah, you can only sell a Sefer Torah, El, or you cannot sell it, save Ella, Saved for the case of Lil Torah Belisa Isha, to learn Torah and to get married. So, Shmamina, so if monies are going to help you get married, that's so Torah, I mean, excuse me, marriage is a different issue, to help you learn Torah. Torah is going for Torah purposes. So, Torah for Torah purposes is okay. So, Shmamina, Torah for Torah, Shapir Dami, that's good. So, now the Gemara says, and this gets back maybe a little bit to the earlier discussion of synagogue versus uh, Beit Midrash, the Gemara says, Dilma Shani Limud. No, no, no. Learning Torah might be on a higher level than just a safer Torah. Shahalimud maybe lide masa. Learning leads to doing, right? A safer Torah is like it's a holy object, but it's not necessarily, you know, something that translates into other aspects of religious life. There's just a question of the kedusha, if you would, of the money, the status of the money. Here it actually is, actually gets translated now into, again, a, a higher purpose. Now, um, that should be pointed out that the safer Torah, of course, in the Torah, we're talking about the mitzvah to write a safer Torah, right? You know, is you know, is uh, is in order it is in order to learn it, right? is where we learn the idea of you know of to write a sefer Torah, you know, and sima you know, or by the king at least you have an idea he writes a sefer Torah, the karaba kol yemei chayav. So, uh, but here, of course, the Sefer Torah, while it's used in the ritual of Kriyat HaTorah, we also know that it certainly didn't, at least did not directly lead to Limud. You know, it had to be translated even when it was being read so that people could learn from it. And it was not the most immediate experience of Talmud Torah. It was not around the object of the Sefer Torah. So there's a difference between, if you would, the sort of objects of the mitzvah and the actual, you know, and the uh, status of objects and sanctity of objects. And again, as opposed to the actual doings, uh, doing of the mitzvah, which is seen as a higher purpose. Um, although, it, again, it is interesting, because that's not exactly what the Gemara says. Why does the Gemara says Limu Torah is more important than uh, the object of the Sefer Torah? But, you know, it's funny that it gives the importance of why Limu Torah is more important, because it translates into Ma'aseh. So it's a little curious why it had to frame it that way. Why didn't it just say Limu Torah is a mitzvah Talmud Torah? Sefer Torah is not really by itself doing a mitzvah. Because, so, you know, or maybe, okay, it's the mitzvah of Kriyat HaTorah, but maybe Talmud Torah is more important than Kriyat HaTorah Again, it's funny that it finds the sort of value in this context of Talmud Torah as Torah Torah Mevili Dei Ma'aseh, which I'm not denying. I'm just saying often the Gemara does not have to 
find its value in that purpose. But maybe it's also doing it in order to explain the issue of um, of, of getting married. Ishanami, getting married also, why can you sell Torah to get married? That the God did not create the world to be desolate, he created it to be settled. So it fulfills the purpose of creation. So here too, right, if we're not just saying, okay, this mitzvah, you know, if we just had to give point values, get higher points than the other mitzvah. Right, we're actually in both of these cases saying that they fulfill larger purposes. You know, basically it's the, the purpose of creation is to inhabit the world. The purpose of, you know, the whole purpose is that we should be, you know, a life of observing Torah. All these things lead to greater fulfillments and therefore they trump. But when you're dealing just with something very, the concrete object, or maybe even the concrete mitzvah, when it does not sort of have this much broader implication, then we do not know that, that you could trade one for an equivalent. Avot Torah b'Torah, lo! Maybe a Torah with another Sefer Torah would not have that same type of, uh, uh, would not be allowed l'chadchila. So, Tanu Rabbanan, so let's take a look. Lo yimkar adam Sefer Torah, afapi she'en lo yoter, she'en lo. Lo yimkar adam Sefer Torah, lo yimkar adam Sefer Torah, afapi she'en lo tzarich lo. So, do not sell a Sefer Torah um, even if you have no use for it. You, you know, you have 20 Sefer Torah, don't sell it. Yes, there are Kane, Amar Abisham Gamliel, Afilu Eno Malyochal, even if you don't have what to eat, Umachar Sefer Torah Obito, oh God. <laughs> and the man's like, Oh, you're going to save Torah, or his daughter. Um, again, does it mean to slavery? Does it mean for marriage? Um, Eno Roa Siman Brachali Olam, you'll never have a blessing. Now Rashi says, uh, doesn't mean never in your life, never have a blessing from those proceeds. Okay, maybe we'll say selling a daughter maybe should be a little bit more of a consequence, a long term consequence of that. So that's just very fascinating the way it puts those together. Uh, maybe it's somehow meant, I don't know, does it come from a sort of a, you know, a not un, uh, like just a completely different sort of uh, reality of what the weight of that would mean to sell one's daughter, or does it also, t- or are they trying to send a message about the importance of selling a Sefer Torah? But anyway, these last statements of you can only sell a Sefer Torah to do X or to do Y with and don't sell it even if you don't know what to eat, in my mind, you know, you could read these narrowly as underscoring the point that you can only use, you know, only if you can use the monies for a higher purpose, and since here you, there's no higher purpose, um, again, um, you know, at most as an equivalent purpose, you know, that's the problem. So the way Gemara framed it, that the whole problem is the monies can't go to a higher purpose. Um, that's one way of understanding it, but it does seem here also that the issue is, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but not just that the monies won't be used for a higher purpose, but that there's some fundamental problem of divesting yourself from a Torah. Like this fundamental problem, this represents Torah, and you're basically separating yourself from Torah, even if you have, let's say, multiple Sifrei Torah. You know, what the significance of that act is, regardless of what the money you're is going to do. What? Right. And exactly. So maybe it would even be better to use it, you know, at least long term, even if in the immediate sense. So there are seems here to be two issues. One is the idea of just the Kiddushah and the money, and therefore is there an idea that monies have to go to a higher purpose, and what about the same level? What's, is that acceptable? You know, and is getting married and learning Torah considered a higher purpose or the same purpose? But at the end, I think we also strike a note of the fundamental problem of what it means to just just like divest yourself of a Sefer Torah again one matter imagine if you're literally starving to death and going to die that it would be allowed but you know the Gemara obviously presumably does not mean it that literally what the conclusion seems to be no although it doesn't really ever ever exactly answer the question putting things on yeah what are are things like uh, you know yeah, and yeah, so. Like, let's say you have a Gemara, and then one final question on all this. Here's what I noticed interestingly, although we have before, like, the importance of the mitzvah, it doesn't say you can sell a Torah for a mitzvah. Like, let's say you need to buy him a plot, our own Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's a good question. I mean, some of that gets discussed in the printed books, by the way, right now, are generally, I mean, people obviously treat them with respect, but a lot of post assume they don't have any of the type of Kiddushah that's being referred to here. What? Yeah, presumably. But, okay, I'm not all right, fine. Yeah. The little more Torah is very broad. I mean, what, what, what do they have in mind? Like, Right. Right. Exactly. You know, let's say, or let's say you have an opportunity to learn here, but you want to go to a place in Israel, and that's going to cost more money. The Gemara seems to be pretty liberal with that, you know. But yeah, I mean, okay. So let's take a look now. The and if there's leftover money as well from the sale, the leftover money similarly has to serve a higher purpose. 
Amar Rava says Rava when is that that you have the limit of what you use for the, the extra money for when you sold and then there is you know um, um, and then you you know you sold your I don't know your Aron and you bought your uh, Matpechot or something I mean not your own your Bima and you bought your Matpechot and there's a lot of, and there happens to be leftover money let's say you didn't sell the Bima let's say you raised money in order to build an Aron Okay, and then we raised ten thousand dollars to build a new Aron, and probably the one time in Jewish construction there was actually leftover money in the end. Oh, other than the building of the Mishkan when they had too much money. Okay, so therefore there's actually leftover funds. In that case, mutar, you're allowed to use it for any purpose. Why? Or at least maybe for any. You can do I don't know within limits, but why? Because in one case, when you sold the bima, the money is seen again. You know, it's not standard kedusha, and presumably the Bima still has its status it's Tashmishe as we said Kedusha it's Nignozim the status doesn't change in the sale the only thing whose status might change is the show but the money is seen as also um, you know has sort of a, uh, uh, having uh, imbued in it the Kedusha of the Bima so therefore that Kedusha has to be used for a higher or maybe equal purpose okay because it got the Kedusha of the Bima got sort of transferred it didn't leave the Bima but it got transferred to the money as well so therefore you're stuck with the status of the money. But when you raise money, where did the Kedusha come from? It was just a question of what the intention was of why you were raising the money. But there was no yet, not yet a source of the Kedusha. And you remember the earlier discussion of the idea of Hasmana. Even if you sort of like, you know, made bricks to build into a show, it does not yet get that status until it's actually used. So here is a similar point that if the money is just raised, the status does not yet adhere to the money so that you can actually go ahead and use the leftovers for a wide range of purposes. Okay, Asri Abayi, so Abayi asked this. But Medramarum Shalohisnu, we have a bright that says, when is it true that the money has to be used for a higher purpose if you didn't stipulate otherwise? Alohisnu, if you stipulated otherwise, you can even use it for a Duchsusya, which will explain what that is in a minute, but some other purpose. So the Gemara says, Hey, Hidami, what's the case of stipulating? You sold your bima and you have leftover money. So, and you say, well, if you stipulate, you'll have more latitude. Who cares about stipulating? Stipulating with whom? It's not about stipulating with the guy you're selling it to. The Kedusha, again, derives from the object, the original object. So who are you going to stipulate with to prevent the Kedusha from taking effect on the rest of the money? There's no role for stipulation here. It's all a direct effect of the Kedusha that originates in the object. So that can't be. Ella should govern those you. It must be you raise the money and they were left over. Now you can understand time of the history why stipulation matters. You say to everybody, we're raising money to buy a new Aron. If there's any leftover money, we'll use, we'll use it for however we see fit. That makes sense. Because now you stipulated the, and that framed what the purpose of the money would be from the very beginning. Okay, that we get. But you have to stipulate. So the Gemara says, so Eretz Shagavu, time of the Hoti Isnu, how low Isnu, if you didn't stipulate low, it wouldn't work. So just raising the money does not give you the latitude, only when it's combined with a explicit stipulation. So that seems to be a pretty good proof that you need that. Someone says, well, no, not necessarily, it could be a case where you sold it and it was left over. So how could stipulation help? So the Gemara says, here's how you have to read it. When is it that the money has to be used for the same thing, even the leftover money? When again, it wasn't the seven elders of the city together with the presence of the whole city. It wasn't this full, you know, decision of both the leadership and the people. When it was stipulated in the sale, meaning when the sale was effected by it's a funny way of saying stipulated because it really means affected by the seven elders of the city in the presence of the people of the city even for a it's permissible which again because remember before right the Gemara said that when you sell the shul with the elders and the city or you know the good people of the city anyway the elders in the city that then you can use the proceeds for whatever you want so somehow when the sale is done by representing by coming from the whole people what? it's somehow right it doesn't desanctify 
identify the object again being sold I mean that's a different discussion about the shul as I said other than the shul the original objects retain their sanctity okay but what it does somehow do is it somehow allows the money to be used for any purpose because again we're not talking about standard Kiddushah meaning yes but say the Torah does have Kiddushah but the idea about how the money is used it's not like a korban right by a korban I could actually take the Kiddushah out of the korban and when it has a blemish and transfer it to the money and then the korban doesn't have the Kiddushah okay that's the, where you really get the idea of transferring the Kiddushah to money but here the Sefer Torah retains its Kiddushah the money really doesn't have Kiddushah so it's a really a rabbinic construct patterned after other areas of Kiddushah so somehow the rabbi sort of gave you license that when it's completely done by the entire city by everybody sort of who you know, you know who, to whom this belonged and who was responsible for this somehow it gives you more freedom and latitude to use the money I really don't understand the mechanism but we saw that before by the show and here we're seeing it by the leftover now it's not such a huge chiddish if we saw it by the show but maybe it's a bigger chiddish because again a show can even lose the Kiddushah itself the show here you're dealing presumably with the Sefer Torah with other things that are more intrinsically Kadosh and nevertheless when backed by Anshe you know you know the elders of the city and the city you're, you're given latitude of how you want to use the le- at least the leftover money can that give you latitude of how to use the very proceeds itself like we said by the show by the show if they backed it you could use all the money maybe this only gives you latitude with the leftover not clear but anyway that is part that, that mechanism somehow allows you more latitude with the proceeds yes so yesterday you made a distinction between whether or not the Kedusha comes from Right. Or whether it comes in some way based upon the community ownership and community use of the, of the facility. Right. Right. Um, and wouldn't a, smart, uh, a uh, more straightforward reading of, of this be that it actually is a community facility and that when you have a, um, a legislative body or right. an executive body right. making full disclosures to the <laughs> Right. That it creates much more flexibility in terms of how to use the but it seems to reinforce the second reading right. of what creates the connection. Right. So I would certainly agree with that in terms of the show. Um, you know, because the, yes, that the whole idea that when you have the whole community sort of doing it, it you know, it frees it in a in much more significant way. Um, I guess, you know, my reluctance is, is that here to say that, is that here the Gemara is applying it to all the rest of the Mishnah, even the things about the things that you wrap the Sefer Torah with, you know, the Nevi'im and the Ketuvim and all these other things where seems to be not based on that, right? The Gemara before said that the, ra- the things you wrap a Torah with, if it gets worn out, you have to bury it, right? And that's even if it's my own private, safer Torah with its private, like mantle, and so on. So, you know, I just see, it seems to me that here it's even more challenging to sort of see that because here we seem to be dealing with things that are recognized as having intrinsic Kedushah. But again, you, what, it, what? But you could go down that spectrum and say that Kedushah is actually infused by the perception and the use of the, of, the, of the person. Right, which would then raise an issue. Would it be possible that if the community sells the mantle of the Sefer Torah, then you no longer have to bury it, that, it, that you can now right. use it as a, as, you know, as a hand towel. Right. I, I, you know, anyway, but yes, are that's there, the question. Are there limitations to whom, to whom you can sell it and for what purpose they intend to use it? Um, for can you sell, can you sell the, the Right. <laughs> right. So the assumption is, again, not. The assumption is that you only have that latitude by the show because there the Kedusha is less intrinsic. And by these things, there always remain and it would have to be either Nignaz or used for the same purpose. That's the assumption. But yes, but once you introduce the Shiva Tuvehair in giving you latitude with the funds and the proceeds, it starts raising questions about even this area as well. So I can see that point, yes. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. Let's take a look. Um, correct. So the Gemara says like with this, but it sounds like so right, that's the question. Um, either it is a um, um, so what have we said? I'm sorry, so let's take a step back because I might have, um, have we, we've said one position is it's only uh, when you raise money you always have the latitude 
um, to use the leftovers. What about the Bryce that says you need to stipulate? That doesn't mean stipulate. That means even in a sale, if it was backed by the Shiva Tuveha ear, then you have the latitude of what to do with it and maybe even the latitude of the original funds, not just the leftovers. Okay? So those, and those, so, so those gives you two, so raising the money is fine. It never started with an object, but even when it starts with an object, backed by Shiva Tuveha ear gives you latitude like we saw by a show. The other position is a more limited read and says, no, it's only when you raise the money and only when that raising of the money is accompanied by an explicit stipulation. Okay, let's take a look. Um, so what is this duchsusia? So, Amalia Bailu Merabanan, did I skip a line? Uh, no. Amalia Bailahu Merabanan. Rabbi said to one of the rabbinic students, which is ordering, like, thank you so much, we're laying out the mission in front of Rabsheshes. Did you hear from Rabsheshes, my duchsusia? What this duchsusia is? Because we've, um, so, which is actually interesting, because, uh, I'm sorry, because that's a bright dust. So, you know, this person ordered the bright dust or whatever, he was familiar with them. Um, and um, and he said, so you know, did Rav Sheshis ever explain to you what this Tuchsusya is? So on the way, Hakim Rav Sheshis, this is what Rav Sheshis says, um, Parsha de Masa. He is the sort of uh, um, like the Prashim. He is like the uh, the uh, carry uh, the the horse rider of the city. He's the guy that goes out maybe, and you you know the city uses him to send messengers messages to other cities. Um, let's see what uh, Rashi says. Bnei Yer Sochrim Adam Rochev Sus Shehele Mizuman Lishloch Lishlochob Shlichut Moshel Ha'ir Kishid Starchu. Okay, so this again gets back to this idea, as David was saying, of here you are using it for some communal city purpose, not a kedusha purpose, but some communal purpose. But again, that's when there is some stipulation, and that's also, or that's when the money was raised from the community, not when it started in the actual object. So when the money is raised from the community, and you have left over, you can use it for any type of communal purpose. Um, but again, the Gemara also did parallel that to when it was sold by Shiva Tuvei Ayir, so it all becomes very connected. Amar Abai, Abai said, Hilkach, therefore, Haitzer Perusha, if a certain, like, uh, young rabbinic student heard something and doesn't know the explanation. So, ask somebody who's more, who's present with the more sort of senior, uh, you know, uh, yeah, rabbis in training there. They'll certainly have, must have heard it from like a, you know, very important person. So here it's interesting. Abai puts himself in this, in this parable, in this, you know, as a Tsurbamerabana <laughs> asking from, uh, from uh, from who was who did he ask from? Um, just a random, I know. But he, but he says if you're a young rabbi, like if you're a young student, ask a rabbanan who's in front of a great person. So he asked a rabbanan who was in the presence of Rav Sheshes. So Abaye in this little comparison is like just a kid. Anyway, but okay, you know, ask you know ask the people there in the base medrash. They must have heard from someone. Okay, um, um, okay, we're worried. I'm a Rav Yochanan, Mishum Rav Meir. Bnei Yir Shahochuli Yiracheres, Ukaskolim Tzedaka. Now we're talking about like raising communal funds so you raise communal funds not just for show purposes you know you also raise it for tzedakah purposes so people from a particular city that they were or uh, town they went to a different town and when they were in the other town they were in the you know they went to another town for Yom Kippur so basically they walked into show I'm just making this up and they basically had their Yom Kippur appeal and they said everybody in show is given a hundred dollars Okay, so they were they had a a, le- a levy of tzedakah taxes placed on them when they were visiting another town. Okay, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So presumably, the meaning is right. I said in the context of a Yom Kippur appeal is not that only they, but presumably together with everybody else. But they were in the city and they were told and they were doing raising money for tzedakah. But maybe it's only them. Maybe they're you. You're will. Well, let's take a look. Let's take a look. Nosnim, they give the money. But then when they return to their own town, they bring the money with them, and they use the money for the poor of their own city. So, if you take a look at Rashi, Yaji says, So, that they should not be suspect of sort of, of, you know, of making a pledge and not giving. So the way Rashi reads it, um, it sounds like they themselves pledged the money. Um, I'm wondering how the English translates it. I know. Well, how does the English so translate it? You could maybe read Alatzman. Yeah, yeah, so the town officials. So it's funny that Raja says post scheme, people tax you and you don't pay. So again, even if you didn't do it yourself, you don't want people to suspect you of, look, 
you were taught, you know, everybody had to pay, and what are you? You don't pay, you don't pay the tzedakah dues of the city? Anyway, so therefore, so even though you're not really obligated, you give it so that it looks appropriate, but in the end, you're not required to give it to this city, you go home and you give it in your own city. Right, and they, you feel like a little pressured and you're there. Right. Exactly. Right, so that's a Pascual Ehen would mean Pascual Atzman is how he's reading it. Okay, so that's an interesting different way of reading it. Well, what they translate it here is that when they return home, they bring a refunded contribution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's clearly the next part. Okay. But the question is, who did, who said they were giving the money? Did they themselves say, or was it put on them? Okay. So, um, Rav Huna Gadar Tanisa. So, Rav Huna made a um going back to our earlier uh, Masechet. Alagabe Rav Chana Bar Chanilai, V'chobene Masye. So, did I skip a line? I'm sorry. V'yachit Shalach Lirach Charet. But if it's an individual, it's not a couple of people, so it's not b'nei'ir, then you leave it in the city itself. Not exactly clear what the uh, difference is, but maybe then it's not as clear that, you know, as an individual, as opposed to a contingent, that they're, uh, you know, that, uh, that it's uh, genuinely like going back to the other city. Not clear to me exactly what the difference is. Right, so yeah. robbing it in, so it's so it's so so it's taking away more more money that's needed in the city that they came from from the hometown. Okay, so maybe it's just a question of amount. Rav Huna Gazer Taanisa. Rav Huna made the Taanis. Al Gabe Rav Chana Bar Chanilai v'Chobenei Masye. So Rav Chana Bar Chanilai and all the people of his city came to maybe this larger city for the Taanis. You know, you want to get everybody together for the Taanis. Okay, Ramu Alayu, and this is exactly what you know supports the er, the, the original read, not the Steinzalt. They put okay maybe not maybe it's Ramu al-Atzman but anyway it doesn't sound like that it says they cast upon them the city put a place upon them tzedakah and they gave the money that was sort of you know it's a, it's a tainus everybody's going to have to give a X amount of money we're collecting tzedakah Kibol may say when they went to go back to their city Amule they said to uh, him to Rav Chana Bar Chani Lai what? I'm sorry, to Rav Huna, thank you. Rav Huna, they said to Rav Huna, No, Sulan Mar, give us back the money. The, the master should give us the money. And we want to go back and support and the poor of our city. Amar he said to them, Tanina, what? We taught them Braisa. When is it that you can get your money back and bring it back to the city? It's in the place that you, the city that you gave, there is not a Chavir ear. Chavir is sort of like it's interesting we sort of get the you know clear sense that there were these uh, uh, um, you know like a, a communal role um, never fully explicated but this Chavir is different than Shiva Tuveir because Shiva Tuveir is more like the political leadership this is more like the uh, head rabbi of the city Talmud Chacham Rashi says so not just a rabbi that's in his study hall but some real like rabbinic figure of the city so if there's a rabbinic figure of the city that's when you get the money back when there's no rabbinic rabbinic figure of the city. Avoyesham Chavir Ir, but if there is a rabbinic figure of the city, Kinosim Chavir Ir, then he, not for his own pocket, he gets the discretion of how to spend the money and you don't take it back. So, and all the more so that the poor of your town and of my, of my town and of your town, ultimately they all depend on me. I'm the one that ultimately takes the responsibility for raising funds and distributing funds, not just for this town, but for your town as well. So, that, the second argument is obviously a very strong argument. And the evidence of it is that everybody from your town came to my town for the time. So, clearly there's a more central town, and that's had responsibility for the neighboring towns. But the idea that if there's a Tamar Chacham, somehow you don't have the right to take it back to your city again exactly the mechanics of that is not fully explained again unless there's some assumption that you know it reminds you of the earlier discussion about the show where they, where they said oh if it's a show in a big city then you can't sell it because then it belongs to everybody and then he said yeah but here everybody comes to the show because of me so I can still sell it I can still like, like remember that sort of case so somehow it's like there's, there's a sense that if there's like a big rabbi and a big Talmud Chacham everybody sort of just just, you know, sort of feeds to him the discretion and the control He's about these types of things. Yes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I understand. And again, it's really not spelled out the logic behind that. Okay. Anyway, so all of that was very interesting in terms of the use of the funds. Um, and again, to repeat what I said a few times, the actual original object, certainly by Sefer Torah, goes without saying, but the incense is all these things that are considered Tashmishi Kedushah. Their sanctity remains. 
never a hint that those sanctity changes. If we're not using it for the original thing, you bury it. Um, and the um, the only issue is the shul there, where its sanctity derives from is less clear. So when it's sold, it might be able to be repurposed. And that's actually what we're going to turn to now. So the earlier discussion there had not been about the original sanctity. The original discussion had been about the proceeds and the money. Who's entitled to sell it? And what do you do with the proceeds? Um, you have to use it as a higher level. We discussed can you use it at the same level by a safer Torah. And we also discussed the issue about that about um, when it's sold by the Tuve Ha'ir, that gives you more discretion, not only in the case of the show, but also in the case of the other things like the Sifre Torah and so on, which again is interesting what the role of, of the Shiva Tuve Ha'ir is to give you more freedom by the money of those other things. And we discussed, um, and uh, what else did we discuss? Uh, that was about it. There was something else. Okay. Um, fine. Oh, yes. And when you raise the money from the city, when it doesn't start in an object, then it starts in just raising money, that obviously, then there is already more discretion, and that's why we ended similarly with the discussion about raising money for tzedakah and the discretion of how to use it. Okay, so now we're going to take a look, next Mishnah, about the issue about the Kedushah of the Shul and what the implications are, not of the monies and the proceeds, but of the original object when you're dealing with a Shul. And can that ever be somehow changed. So let's take a look. You do not sell a shul that is a public shul to a private individual, even if he's going to use it as his private shul. Right? He's going to, but it's not going to be a public shul because that lowers it from the kedusha. Presumably, you used to say in it varim shebikedusha, and now you're going to say in it only my private davenings. You're not going to say varim shebikedusha in it. So that's what Rebbe Mayer says. So here Rebbe Mayer does not let you sell a show um, if the actual original, I mean, this is the Kedusha of the show itself, the money you'll use for the right purpose. But you still can't sell it if it's even going to be used for a slightly less less important purpose. Amulo, the rabbi said to him, you should be able to sell it from a big city to a, from a big town to a small town because fewer people will use it and it'll be used for a lesser purpose. Now, I don't understand how you, another city uses the show unless maybe the show is in, I don't know, the fields between the two cities. Like, I'm not getting the scenario about how a different city uses the show. And maybe it's between two neighborhoods and it's used from one neighborhood or the other neighborhood. Which neighborhood is going to use it? Anyway, fine. So the Gemara says, Shop their Kamile, although they have sometimes taken apart buildings and moved them, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um but you know, that's not what we've been talking about, right? When we so yeah. I mean the assets other ones than like the Sea Fatal, whatever you mean, like the chairs, the tables, the uh, yeah. So I don't know if that would have the same discussion of the Kiddushah. The Kiddushah seems more to be related to like the place and the Makom of the Tifilah and so on. It does raise that good question, right? What is the status of the assets that are not about the Sefer Torah and are not the actual building itself? Okay, so let's say, but I think that that's much more straight than a mominist thing, that that generally is assumed not to be in the Kiddushah category. So anyway, Shabir Kamile Rabbanu Reb Meir, they said a good retort. So for Rebbe Meir, right? I mean, what, you have to count a thousand people as opposed to 900 people? I mean, so there's an obvious... Okay, but you know, there's quantity and then there's quality, which is what the response is. Rebbe Meir, Rebbe Meir would say back, That it was Kadosh, this is Kadosh, it's still a Tzibor. There's not Kedushah, again, presumably meaning that you're not saying Dvarim should be Kedushah in it. So the Gemara says, Rabbanan, the rabbis would say back, If you're going to be concerned about that type of thing, about Dvarim should be Kedushah, not even if you're still using it as a shul, there's also the difference about, you know, when a lot of people are there, it's also a higher fulfillment. Now again, there's a question, you know, more people, the greater glory to God. But there's still a question about degree as opposed to kind of a Dvarim should be Kedushah. This also, I will remind you, gets back to a question, one of the questions of the sanctity of the shul. According to the Ram, the entire sanctity of the shul derives from the fact that you say Dvarim should be Kedushah in it, which sort of seems very strong report from the discussion in this mission, at least according to Rebbe Meir. From the rabbis, though, maybe not, because the rabbis are untroubled by the significance of Dvarim Shebikdusha. You know, the Ramban says it's not about Dvarim Shebikdusha, it's just about Tifilah, which certainly finds more support in the rabbi's position. So again, interesting here, this issue, degree and time, but also, does this reflect the very source of the Kedusha itself? Let's take a look at the next Mishnah. So Rebbe Meir, once again, is being 
very strict about um, you know the sanctity of the shul and preserving it. So number one is he said you manish can only sell a shul if you continue to use it as a shul and in the same capacity, the same type of shul. Very limited what you can do with it. And here he's also saying that you also always have to have the ability to buy it back. You can only sell it, meaning again, now, you know, I mean, if I'm selling it and the other people are using it for a show, what's wrong? I mean, it's still being used for a show. But even so, Rebbe Mayer says, it's somehow like not respectful of a show that you're being done with it. Like the thing we said before, divesting yourself of it. So you're only going to be allowed to sell it if you retain the right to buy it back anytime you want. Like uh, introducing, like you know, uh, so so that's what Mayor says. So chamimamim and the sages say mochinoso memkar olam. You can sell it for a permanent sale. Okay, so again, the sages much more latitude than Rebbe Mayor. What's com- really shocking is combining the two Rebbe Mayors. The other people are going to use it as a show. They're going to use it as a show for the Robin, and it's still only allowed if you if you retain the right to buy it back. Um, chutz. Now the rabbis say not only is mimkar olam would mean a permanent sale, but mimkar olam here means an unqualified sale. And here we get to the core that the, the rabbis say the other people can really use it for whatever they want. You completely desanctify it. Okay. So not only for tefillat yachid, you can sell it to whatever purpose you want for permanent sale. Chutz. The only exception is may arba'advarim. Four things it can't be used for. Lemerchat, Ulaborski, Litvila, Ulabet Hamayid. For a bathhouse, you know, it's the people are naked in a bathhouse and it's steamy or whatever. Borski, a tannery, which is very, very smelly. Tivila, similarly, it's people are, walk around naked in there. And Beit Hamayim, which either means a laundry or it could just mean a bathroom. Rabbi Huda. Well, maybe that wasn't even a part of the discussion. The general assumption is clearly that selling it for another house of worship would not be allowed, especially, we won't get into this discussion right now, but that house of worship is considered a vodazara, okay, which is a whole other discussion, but that sort of is assumed to go without saying. So then the question is, though, how do you, you know, which often has happened in the past, you know, churches were sold as for synagogues, synagogues were sold for churches. So let's see what Reb Yehuda, let's see what Reb Yehuda says. Reb Yehuda Omer, why do you have to ask what the person is going to do with it? I'm telling you a field. You can develop it however you want. I'm not telling you what you want to do. So the fact that I'm selling it to the archdiocese, what do I know? They want to make a park? I'm not asking any questions. Okay, it's none of my business. Look, you do what you want. None of my business. <laughs> I don't think knowledge is the issue. I think the issue is whether it's part of the sale. It defines the sale. Um, so, and this and other types of things is used when these things are sold for churches. But again, what's fascinating is you have Rebbe Mayer that is very limiting. It has to be used as a shul, the same type of a shul, and you have to be able to buy it back. And then you have the rabbis that say, sell it permanent sale, use it for whatever you want. The only exceptions are things that would really be seen, and this would be a kedusha idea. This would be a bizayon idea. Maybe it doesn't have any kedusha, but a place that was once a shul should not be used for these purposes, these types of things, which is complete, seen as completely disrespectful. Again, using the model that the Ramban uses, it's like tashmishe mitzvah. You can throw out your lulav, but you know, don't go ahead and use it to like, I don't know, to, to, to clean out your toilet. Okay, so it's not an issue of Kiddusha, but it's an issue of Vizayon. And that's the way the Ramban sees it. Yes, David? So it's probably made more of a populist in, in these three statements that we just asked. Populist, about. interesting. So, what do you mean? So first of all, he says that you can sell a sacred Torah in order to remotely move Torah. Oh, that, so um, if you're in... Um, that was a Vimeo? I thought that was a Psalm, but you might be right. No, uh, yes, you're right. Rabbi Yochan is Rabbi Meir, yes. Right, and then you have Rabbi Meir saying that you can't, uh, the, the group can't trade to the individual. Right. And then we have Rabbi Meir say that if you sell, uh, you can sell a, a, a Knesset, but you have the right of buying it back. Right. right. And, and so all of these things deal with um, the, the persons who might be in, in stress. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh huh. And that the rich shouldn't be able to. The rich shouldn't be able to. Oh, interesting. To, to get the better, the better part of the deal. How does that fit in with the Sefer Torah for Lima Torah issue? Oh, well, why we saw the Sefer Torah for Lima Torah, as Doug pointed out, or as Sonam pointed out, okay. is, is a, to support it is uh-huh. a rather broad category. Uh huh. Right. If you're starving, you know, right, you right. learn so you can right. sell it so you can eat. Right. Um, or if you're hungry. Right. Um, and. Uh, Anyway, interesting. 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 I never sort of pre- <laughs> that's you know I never sort of framed thought about sort of more from that economic perspective about uh, about um, yeah. 
like who who's taking advantage of the situation is right. sort of what you're asking. It's very interesting. Yeah. And uh, so so it's clearly talking about uh, generally disrespectful users, but not like Well, that's what that's what yeah. Michael asked. Yeah. So um, yeah, I mean that's assumed to be and whatever. We'll see as the Gemara continues to discuss it. But then you know that's sort of assumed to be almost be like a kavah homer. But um, even right. if you bring a whole city. Right. Right. Well, although that's a good question, and that does come up, that if the two day a year behind it, does it make it even less kadosh that you don't even have to worry about this? It comes up, anyway. But no, so, so when you don't have two day a year, you either have just the two day a year or just the anshe a year, but you don't have them both working in concert. Okay. So the verse says like this. Now the Gemara has a completely side question. How can you sell the show for $10,000? The guy lives in it for a year, and then you buy it back for the ten thousand dollars. So basically, what, what, has, what, 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 what has that meant? Like, um, you know, I paid ten thousand dollars for it. I lived in it. Then you bought it back, and you gave me my ten thousand dollars. So for having given you my ten thousand dollars for the last year, I got rent-free use of the show. So, oh yeah, let's assume. Anyway, so wouldn't that be a type of a ribbit that if you wound up buying it back, the guy got his money back, and he got the free, uh, you know, uh, rent? So Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Meir, but she just Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Meir is following the position of Rabbi Yehuda. The Amr Tzadeh had Beribis Mutar. If it's one side of Ribis, it's permissible, which means that if it's not really a stipulation that you have to pay back the you know money with interest or that you get a benefit for having lent the money, but it's just a way in which the deal could work out. That it basically is a sale, and if it goes in one direction, you'll wind up having gotten free rent. But if it doesn't, you won't. That's not really problematic. Okay. Let, if it's an option here. If it's an option, right. It's an option to contract. Yes. There you go. An option to contract. Right. Hetem Mechira doesn't work. Yes. Uh, no, Hetem Mechira, I mean, Ribis is Hetem Iska. That's, uh, but yes, anyway, that's slightly different. But okay, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so the Mutta says like this. Detanya, we turn to Okay. Mutta, Detanya, we turn to Brahita. Haresha, you know, Shebechavero Mana. So you have lent your friend $100. The Oselosadeu Mecha. And your friend basically took, gave the him your, you, you his field and made the field collateral. Okay? But it's Mecha, meaning that if he basically said, if I don't pay you back the $100 by January, then you own the field. Okay? Now what's happening between now and January if you're holding on to the field as collateral? So if the seller, meaning the debtor, still gets the fruit of the field, um, you know, between now and January, it's permissible. Because, okay, whatever will happen, you'll get the field in January when it's the time. Until then, it's still my field. But if the purchaser, meaning the creditor, is getting the fruit between now and January, also it's forbidden. Because what's going to happen? If you wind up keeping the field, fine, you ate the fruit of your own field. But if I pay up your lo- the loan and get the field back, then in the interim, you've had the fruit of the field, you know, in a, you know, for the uh, because you lent me the money. So Rabbi Yehuda Omer, a few lokecho chaperus mutar. Even if the purchaser, the creditor, gets the fruit, it's permissible because again, that's one way it's to work out. It won't necessarily work out that way. Vama Rabbi Yehuda and says Rabbi Yehuda, Ma'isa b'zvaisus benzoni shasa sadeu mecher alpi Rabbi Yehuda ben Azaria. So lokecho chaperus hayu. There was a story just like this with Ma'isa benzoni. Interesting character. We see him come up a lot in financial issues. Anyway. He did this, and Rabbi Elizabeth Azariah allowed it, and it was a case where he ate the fruit. Um, even though presumably he was the guy that lent the money, he ate the fruit. Amrullah, they said to him, Misham Raya, you want to bring a fruit from that? You got the details wrong. No. <laughs> he didn't eat the fruit. The creditor, the debtor ate the fruit. Okay. Now, my Benayu, what are they debating? What, what's at the core of their debate? This idea where it says, as, as David said, it's an option. It's not part of the contract. So in that case, even if it works out that you wound up getting a benefit from lending your money, that wasn't a part of the, very, the deal itself. I mean, that wasn't a necessary outcome. Rav Omar Rav says, now, Everybody could say in that debate that, it, that that would be forbidden if, that was, if you really could wind up having kept the fruit. Um, here, nobody is saying that you can keep the fruit. If you're, the question is, you're going to eat the fruit, you're the guy who lent the money, you're holding on to the collateral, you're going to eat the fruit, with the understanding that if the, you don't wind up owning the field and the guy actually pays up the loan, you'll pay back for the fruit. So in the end, you're not going to have you're not going to have actually any material gain. You might eat the fruit now, but if it winds up that you don't keep the field, you'll pay back for the fruit. But the only problem is 
it doesn't look right. In the interim, you're benefiting and eating the fruit after having lent him the money. So even though at the end of the day, you know, six months from now, you'll pay him back, it, it doesn't, it, you know, it's not appropriate. So that's it. It's a much, it's a much lighter debate. Okay? Mar Savar, Rebbe, someone asked the Haksir, Muster Mar Savar Aster. But if really to keep it, that would not be allowed. So the Tosa says, so if that's true, back to the question about Rebbe Mayer. How did Rebbe Mayer let you sell the show? You're going to buy it back. The guy's going to get free rent. So Tosa says, well, according to this idea, Rebbe Mayer would say you'd have to pay the rent back. My commission never says what happens if you buy the show back. Maybe Rebbe Mayer would say if you wind up buying the show back, the guy has to then wind up paying rent for it. Okay, well, but... Th- yes. Yeah. Yes, excellent point. This starts as a loan, which means that the concern of Riddis is much more on the surface if something could wind up benefiting from the loan. That starts as a sale and, and, and might somehow convert to a loan. So that's an excellent point, which, you know, it, it's strange that the Gemara does not raise that, but I completely agree. Okay, yes. Uh, yeah, but there still would be some net gain, you know, that would come. Oh, you're right, in terms of what you have to pay back. Presumably you pay back the net gain, right. Right. If he's working it, right, right, right. So presumably he's paying the net gain, not just, not the gross. Okay, let's keep on going. You can sell it, you know, forever and without limitations. Okay, since we're talking about Beit Hamayim, which presumably meant bathroom, we're going to talk about, you know, about this general issue about urinating near where you're davening. So you're allowed to urinate within the four amot of where you're davening. Now, that doesn't mean that you continue to daven where, with the urine nearby, okay? But what it means is, if you daven in a particular place, then you, then you, you left the place that somebody else can come, or you can come back, so you're done davening, and urinate within that same zone. So, Amar of Yosef, my Kamash, Milan, what are you teaching? Now, this isn't a show. This is a place that I stood and davened. So, my Kamash, Milan, what are you teaching me? Uh, where were we? Uh, um, oh, Tanina, we taught... So Rabbi Huda actually would allow, eventually, you know, it to be used as a bathroom. Okay? Even the rabbis who want to prevent it ever from being used as a bathroom, that's a synagogue. The Kviya Kedusha, there's a permanent Kedusha, or a fixed, established one, it's not permanent, about Arba Amos, the Lokviya Kedusha, some four Amos in, the, in a field where you happen to dive in, does that have any particular status to it? Lo, so that would not, you know, obviously there'd be no limits of what you could do in that space afterwards. And there's no response, presumably, it's a good point. Yes, it's implicit in the Mishnah. Tiny Tana Kameh Rav Nachman, the Tana 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 Rav Nachman, Namis Palel, if you're davening, Marchik Arba Amosu Mashkin, and in the middle of your davening, you have to urinate, so you step out of, out of your four Amot, you urinate, and you come back. Now again, that's not the previous point, because it's outside your four Amot, but that's because you're still in the middle of davening. And somebody is urinating, so you urinated and now you want to daven, get four amos away from it. So that's when you actually are davening. You don't want to be in the four amot of that. That's not when you're done davening. So anyway, that if you, you urinate, then you want to daven, then Google for Amit out. We taught that. How much distance do you need from urine? And from excrement? But if you're davening, you have to go for Amit and then urinate. Now, he did not understand it like I was saying, which is you go for Amit and then you return and finish davening. He understands that, that you daven, you're done davening. You're completely done with your Shemona Esrei. Now you want to urinate. Go outside of Forum Mot. So that seems to be against what we said before, that even if you just davened once in a place, the whole zone is off limits. So he says, uh, so he says how could you say that? Lamali, Ihachi, why would you need to do that? If so, Kereshkinu, Lukulishvili, Denarda, all the alleyways of Narda are sanctified now, right? Where are we ever going to urinate, right? Are people daven in the fields and they daven all over and they have to, you know, they realize it's about to be Mincha, they stop in the middle of the street and they daven, so now all of a sudden you can't urinate there. So, this isn't a place where people would urinate on the street. Anyway, so, okay, so again, that idea is rejected, that that retains some status. Tani, uh, Tani Yishahef, it says, fine, don't say, go for Amos out of where you davened and then urinate. We say, wait for Amos, wait the time it takes to walk for Amos and then urinate. Or if you urinate, wait the time it takes to wait for Amos and then daven. So it's not about leaving the zone, it's about pausing. So, completely rereading what the Brighton was talking about. So the Mishnah says, one minute. 
Bishrei mamashtin yishar mamashtin I get if you urinate, you want to then wait, a, a, you know, a few seconds before beginning to daven. Mishum nitzotzos because you're afraid there'll still be some, uh, you know, uh, drips. You know, you know, after when you finish uh, urinating, so you give yourself time to make sure you're fully done before you start davening. Elamit palel yishahek If you davened and now you have to go urinate, why should you pause before moving straight, straight into taking care of your needs? So the first four amot, meaning the first few seconds after your davening, your prayer is still sort of, you know, arranged on your lips. You're still thinking and davening, and your lips are still moving. So meaning you'll still be sort of unconsciously davening right when you finish. You've got to give yourself time to pause and make sure you're done, and then you urinate. So completely rereading this as moving out of the zone geographically, as pausing between those two experiences to make sure that they are experientially separated. So the conclusion is the Gemara rejects the idea that any place you happen to daven gets a status after you're done davening. And yes, you can go ahead and use that space for whatever you want. Okay. Now, presumably, that's how we would reread it. Okay, we're moving on. Okay, Shalu Tamidav Es Rebbe Yochem and Zakai Es Rebbe Es Rebbe Zakai The students Es Rebbe Zakai Bamaya Rachti Yomin What led you to what, You know what, Why did you merit Such a long life? Amar Lahem He said to them Niyamai Lohishanti This is the transition Okay But then we're going to get A series of these discussions Why did you live Such a long life? But this is the transition For my entire life Lohishanti Mayim Betok Arba Amos Shalchila I never urinated Within four months Of a place where I, where I had davened Where I knew people had davened you know, I don't know exactly. Again, how do you know where everybody is davening into life? Okay. What? Yeah. I never gave a, a colleague a nickname. Um, and I never, you know, I, I never missed making Kiddush and with wine. And we'll see later that, you know, it wasn't so push it that everybody would always have the money to buy wine for Kiddush. Um, so, um, I had an elderly mother. Once she even had to sell the very bonnet on her head, to bring me, to, to get money so that I could make Kiddush. So, that maybe would be by the mother to live a long life. Okay, well, she was also Zakena. Okay, Tana, he's the daughter of when she died, for the merit of, of, of extending yourself to get wine for Kiddush, you merit to have much, much more wine. Right? So when she died, she had so extended herself to this that she left over for his inheritance 300, uh, you know, uh, flasks of wine. Because and he continued that tradition even more. So when he died, he thousand flasks of wine. So it's like, you know, if you spend money for Shabbos, it'll come back to you. Double. Ravuna have asarisa the kai kame derav. So Ravuna was wearing like a like a like a, a, a belt, but it's like a like a like a like a like a string as a belt or whatever you know, some type of a of, of, of a of a of a of a cheap thing. And he was standing in front of Rav. Amalei, so Rav said, "My eye, what is this? Why are you wearing like a cord for your for your belt?" So Amalei, he said to him, "Lo li kidusha." I didn't have money for kiddush. Umashachante lehem naya, and I sold my real belt. The um, asay be kidusha. Uh, and I used the money to buy wine for Kiddush. I'm relieved. So Rav said to him, "Yehi Rava the Sitom b'Shirai. May it be God's will that you be covered up in silk. Um, you know, because you sold your garments, you should be covered in silk." So now we're going to see where that came through. He ichlo Rabba Bray when Rabba his son, Rafuna's son, who was the one who sold his belt, was getting married. Rafuna inish gutzahave. Now Rafuna was a short man. So Gana Apuraya, and he fell asleep on some bed, some couch, in the middle of, you know, when the wedding was going on. Maybe he had a little too much to drink. Azin Bante Bikalse, his daughters, and his, apparently he fell asleep in the college room. So his, uh, his daughters and his uh, daughter-in-law came. Shalchin Vishadin Manayuale, and they uh, took, when they were taking off their clothes, all their beautiful silk garments that they had been worn for, wearing for the wedding, they threw it on the couch, and they covered him up. They didn't realize he was asleep. Azin Bishirai, until he was cloaked in silk. Shamarav. So Rav heard that his bracha came through. So Rav heard this and then he got upset. Why? He said, Amar, he said to Ravuna, he said to him, My time of Amar ki why when I blessed you did you not say to me, V'chem Amar, say to you. So, this is the power of these brachas. Okay, I guess 
you know, we're going to be one minute so we can actually get to the next daf. So it won't be more than a daf line. Shows me this is Rebbe ben Shemua. The Ma'arak the Yamin. So now we're going to a series of these stories. They said Rebbe Elazar ben Shemua, why did you live such a long life? Amalem. Yamailo asisi kapandaria beit haknesset. I never made the shul a shortcut. So now we get to Kedushas Beis HaKnesser. The Lord Pasati of Rashi Am Kadosh. I did not walk over the heads of the Holy Nation. Everybody's sitting down, you know, for sheer. If you want to get to your place, so you're the Rebbe, you'd have to walk over their heads. The Lord Nasati Kapai below Bracha. I did not lift up my hands in Berchas Konim without making a Bracha, which is pretty funny. Like, okay, what's so special about that? Anyway, Shalu Tamid of his Rebbe prayed up. So they asked Rebbe prayed. Amalehem, Miyamailu Kadmani Adam Ladeisa Medrash. Nobody ever beat me to the base Medrash. I was always the first person there and I didn't do the bracha which presumably means the birkat hamazon so maybe it means uh, an aliyah but even birkat hamazon I never took the honor if there was a kohen there and I never ate from an animal that the gifts were not given to the Kohen. The Technically, you're allowed. It's not Tevel, but it's not would not be appropriate. Okay, you're not allowed to eat from an animal. Again, not strictly Tevel, but you're not, you're not supposed to. Anybody who eats from an animal that the gifts were not given to the Kohen, it's like you ate Tevel, but not really. It doesn't make the meat forbidden. And the Gemara says, We do not rule that way. So even though that's not the Halacha, I was careful um, to do that. Um, and okay, we'll run the line. Below Berachi, we say Kohen. I did not make a bracha before our Kohen. Remember the Malusi? Is that a good thing? Not as a Talmud Chacham, not to take an honor before a Kohen. The Hammer of Yochanan, Kol Tamid Chacham Shemevarech Lefanav. Any Kohen God, Talmud Chacham, that allows somebody to lead the blessing instead of him, Afilu Kohen Gadol Amaaret, even if it's a Kohen Gadol. If the coin Gadol is an Amaaret and you let him take precedent over you, you did a terrible thing. You're disgracing the honor of the Torah. So, as the verse says, All those who hate me love death. Hate me, those that cause me to be hated. You're not just, just not your own honor. You're disgracing the honor of the Torah to let an Amar take precedence, even a Kohen Gadol. So talk about Torah versus Temple. Right here would be a high of Misa to allow that to have precedence. So the Gemara says, no, when he said he never took precedence over a Kohen, that was when the Kohen was roughly in the same category. It was also a Talmud Chacham. But of course, if it was an Amaret, then he would of course have to have taken precedence over him.